What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nothing But Sports Podcast. This is episode 26. I'm Rahel Jaswal. As we're going to go today, we're going to talk three topics. We have three topics to talk about today. Trevor Bauer signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Stafford golf trade, which happened about a week ago, but I realized I never talked about it. And because it happened during the week. And of course, Super Bowl 55 preview, which is tomorrow after, tomorrow evening at 6.30 p.m. at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. So let's get it started in the MLB. So yesterday around, I want to say 3 o'clock, Trevor Bauer announced that he was signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Three years, $102 million. But he's making $40-plus million this coming season. I think $40 million this year and somewhere around the same next year. I think $43, $44 million. So most of his money is coming in those two years. And then maybe he'll want, maybe the Dodgers will set him up for a big extension. Now, this is really interesting because this puts the Dodgers way over the limit as far as money goes. Because they're already paying some dudes some heavy contracts and they've got a lot of guys to relock up. You know, Justin Turner, this pretty much maybe puts him out of getting a new deal with the Dodgers. Justin Turner, he's been he's been great for them. Solid hitter, big power, doesn't have much speed, but he doesn't need to with the power he has. He's a great, great player. Great player, and another team would love him, but I just don't think... With this deal, I just don't see the Dodgers the Dodgers re-signing him. I mean, how much money are you willing to go over? I, under, I understand there's no salary cap, but still, this would put you... I think after this deal, they're like at least a good $80, 90000000 million over. So they're going to have to make some tough decisions whether they want to keep, keep Turner. Also, after one or two seasons or this three-year deal, do they even want to stick with Bauer? Or is it going to be a quick stint in L.A.? Because remember, this is Bowers. Bowers a California native, California native, so this is pretty close to home for him. So does he want to stay? And do the Dodgers want to keep him there after? Because Clayton Kershaw is getting up there in age. Bauer will probably be number one. We all know how good Kershaw is, but he's getting old, so Tre- Trevor Bauer will probably be number one in this deal, So in this team. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Dodgers m- m- do going forward. So, But obviously, you know, Dodgers, they don't re they don't rebuild, they reload, they recycle and they reload kind of like what the Yankees do. So that's um that's that. They get go out and get the good players. Now, um a lot of Mets fans are gonna be angry at Steve Cohen because, you know, he he's his motto was, you know, we're gonna come out this offseason and spend money what the Wilpons were not willing to do. And and to be fair, let's let's be fair to him. He has got the big he has got big name players. He traded for Francisco Lindor. Let's let's keep in mind there. You also picked up Carlos Carrasco, uh, Carrasco, who's a solid rotation guy in the um, for pitching. So he has done a lot of good stuff. He, he's done he's done some stuff. He hasn't just sat down and done nothing. But now he's been outbidded. He was outbidded for George Springer, who went to Toronto, and he was and he obviously Dodgers outbid him here. And that's just primarily because the Mets as a as a as a as a franchise as as a ball club just don't have the appeal. That the Los Angeles Dodgers do, like let's put it this way. Let's say even if the Mets offer, even if the Mets offer him five, five, five extra million dollars. Let's say, let's say there. Are you taking a three-year, one hundred two million dollar deal with the with the Mets? Or are you going to take what a three-year, ninety-nine, ninety-eight, ninety-seven million dollar deal with the Dodgers, where you are probably almost at this? You're probably almost guaranteed to get back to the playoffs. And you're going to be competing for a World Series in those three years, or do you want to go to a Mets team that's that's good but on the fence and who has a history of just completely unraveling? 
I mean, wh- which one do you want to, and who's completely dysfunctional? They're still they're a completely dysfunctional team in the past. Wh- wh- where do you want to go? You're obviously going to want to go to the Dodgers. I mean, Trevor Bauer, he's not, he's not old, but he's not, he's not, he's 30 years old. So three, and you know, with the way pitchers go, you know, 34, 35, you start to look at, mm, maybe it's the decline. So these are probably the last good three years Trevor Bauer has left on, maybe left in him. So, so it just makes sense. You know, um, I'd much rather go spend my three years in a, in a team where I know I, I'm I know I'm guaranteed to get at least a shot at the world series because the Mets were how good they are. I don't know if they're going to get a shot at the world series in the next couple years, next couple years. They'll probably be a playoff team. They'll probably get to the playoffs, but I don't know if it's, it's good enough to get to the world series. That's the thing. (laughs) So you can't blame, you can't blame Bauer for going to the Dodgers as a Yankees fan. It's obviously horrible that he's with the Dodgers now because that just gives the Dodgers another piece to repeat. And most likely if the Yankees do get to the world series, they're probably going to end up playing the Dodgers if the Yankees even get to the World Series. Who knows? Who knows if something happens? Toronto's looking real good, but yeah, it's just it's just annoying now because the Dodgers are, pr- are probably going to be a healthy favorite now to repeat as the World Series champions with Kershaw, Walker Bueller, and now um now Trevor Bauer. It's a it's a real it's a real it's a real tough deal. And you know, I, I thought maybe he could have been in pinstripes in, with the Yankees. But that was more of a, you know, that was an off chance. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't really a thing that we saw coming. You know, we didn't, we didn't, none of us expected him to sign with the Yankees. So, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, we move, and that's it. But yep, great move for the Dodgers. They're probably my favorites now to repeat. I'd probably pick them over any other team. Uh, and I feel, but I just feel bad for the Padres as well because what the Padres have done with Blake Snell, Chris Paddock, you Darvish to bolster their Joe Musgrove to. Buster, um, to bolster their pitching rotation, all of a sudden the Dodgers are going to go out, well, let's go get Trevor Bauer. So it's going to be, it, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun season. We'll see how Bauer Bauer, um, Bauer, play, Bauer pitches, won the uh, Cy Young Award last year with the Reds. But yeah, maybe, maybe people will consider this a bit of a weak move to go to the Dodgers. But again, he's from California and it was either him or it was either the Dodgers or the Mets. So you can't, re- you can't really blame him for going to the Dodgers. So that's that. Now let's move on to the NFL, where Matthew Staff, where the oh, just a weird trade went down. I, I can't remember when was this. Probably a couple days ago, I'd say early in the week. I don't know when, but Matthew Stafford is now heading to LA. So the Rams have the Lions have re, uh, Lions and Rams are trading have reached a trade. So which sends Matthew Stafford to the Rams. So the Rams get Matthew Stafford in this deal while the Lions get Jared Goff and two first-round picks and a third-round pick. So, um, who won this deal? It's really hard to say because I think it's a win-win for both teams. Matthew Stafford, the Lions, we knew that they were going to look for a trade partner because um, Chef, you know, there was a report that said, you know, they were, it was a mutual agreement that they it was time to split with, um, with, the, with the Lions. You know, Stafford, all Lions fans, just, you know, you're, gonna, you're sad to see him go. You know, he was everything for you guys, 12 years, 12 years with the or, with the franchise and pretty much gave you all he had. We all know how tough of a guy Matthew Stafford is. He's also extremely underrated. Let's let, let, let's cut the crap here. He's a probably a lot better. Of, I'd actually, I'd pick him over Jared Goff any day of the week. He is a, un, he's a very underrated quarterback. He does a lot of the same Patrick Mahomes, you know, weird shovel pass throws. 
He can bust out the no look sometimes, but he just gets no media attention for it. Patrick Mahomes gets all the media attention for it. So he he's a real underrated quarterback. There were times in the um in his career where he had you know he was the leading he was the leading you know he was the quarterback that led the his NFC North division in passing when Aaron Rodgers was there. Now Aaron Rodgers might have been injured. Packers might have not played there, but he there were times where he was he was the leader as far as receiver why you know and again a guy who. Had Calvin Johnson, yes, but again, had for the besides Calvin Johnson. I mean, now, I mean, he had, yeah, he has very good we- weapons in Galladay and uh and um Galladay and uh, Marvin Jones Jr. But they have a horrible defense. I mean, I remember watching that game versus the Buccaneers, where essentially if Stafford gets it got injured at any point in his career, I mean, the the team was done, and it was unfortunate because they set him up to get injured because they never surrounded him with a good enough offensive line. I mean, and that's just it. So Stafford, good job. I mean, I commend Stafford for staying in Detroit for 12 years, but it was a win-win situation for... It's a win-win situation here. Let's put it this way. It's a win-win situation for the Lions because it's now it's now officially time to start the rebuild. It's officially it's officially time. You're, you're breaking this team down. You're not going to build around Stafford. Get your two first-round picks and go forward with Jared Goff. Now, is Jared Goff going to be your starting quarterback? I don't know. I don't know. Are you going to want to package golf somewhere else for another quarterback? Who knows? There's a lot of quarterbacks out there that you can you can go with. Um, you're probably I, I probably I don't want to see him go for Carson Wentz, but I don't know. Maybe you call up Houston. Hey, um, Deshaun Watson. I I don't know. Maybe golf give Houston golf. Who knows? But maybe you look for I don't know. There's a lot of quarter. If you don't feel like golf is the guy. You can probably trade him because Goff is still relatively young. He's only been in the league for four or five years. So he st- still has some relatively good value as far as a trade partner goes. And if you and if you don't feel confident with him, then fine. You can take a guy in the draft. Now you've got two first-round picks for in the next coming years. Rams don't have any, but they rarely do. So that's how it's good from the Lions' perspective. You know, you've started the full rebuild. you still got to lock up Kenny Galladay in free agency. Hopefully you don't. Hopefully, as a Giants fan, I take Kenny Galladay here. But that's probably... Yeah, it's time. That's probably what you got to do there because Galladay is also probably your number one wide receiver right now. So I, I can see how it's a win for the Lions. Now, how it's a win for the Rams. A lot of people are saying Matthew Stafford was not a first, you know, getting two first round picks for Matthew Stafford is a, is a steal. And it, and it could be considered a steal. But let me, I mean, you get rid of, you get rid of Jared Goff. You get rid of the liability. Jared Goff, we all know that Jared Goff was a complete liability down the stretch because of how inconsistent he was. Now, you get a way more consistent quarterback and a, probably a lot better of a quarterback under pressure in Matthew Stafford, who has played in some big games. You know, people are going to say, oh, well, Matthew Stafford hasn't gotten past, you know, people will bring up, oh, Jared Goff got to the Super Bowl in 2018 with the Rams and Stafford hasn't made it past the wild card game, which is true, but let's look at it this way. In that wild card game against the Cowboys, remember there was the horrendous call where the referees decided to pick up the flag and that led that switched the momentum the Lions ended up losing that game against the Cowboys. So that that's that. Also, like let's be honest, Jared Goff, he did not the Rams did not deserve to go to the Super Bowl, especially he did not. Um divisional round, it was all run, 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 run to CJ Anderson. He didn't have much to do with that. NFC title game, they got bailed out by the horrible non-pass interference call that's infamous now. Infamous. So, and then in the Super Bowl, he missed Brandon Cooks open on a wide-open touchdown. Um, and they were at the New England 25-30 yard line down 10-3, and he threw a horrible interception. 
So there you go. That's that was Jared Goff's Super Bowl run. Not not very impressive. Regular season, very impressive. He was very good in 2018. If he can get that form back, then that's great. But I don't know if he can. He's just too inconsistent. And they decided to start John Wolford over him. Now, granted, he did have thumb surgery, but still. So now you replace him with Matthew Stafford, who, like I said, severely underrated quarterback, extremely consistent. Rams still have a great team. They have the, they had the number one defense last year. It was unfortunate because they just ran into Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who just completely tore him up. But that was only because Rodgers was playing at an unbelievable level this season. So you still have that defense intact, and you still have a very good offense. This offense, even though it hasn't been as stacked as it has been in previous years, is still very good. You found your ground guy. You found your ground presence in Cam Akers. Good young running back. Real real good, real type of pound-the-rock kind of guy. He can catch the ball if you need need be. You have a decent enough offensive line to protect to protect him. They protected golf pretty well this season. So they have a good offensive line to protect Stafford. And they have the wide receiver weapons. Cooper Cup's out there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good situation. Coop, like I said, Cooper Cup, probably number one wide receiver. Actually, yeah, number the number one wide receiver. You have Rob, Robert Woods is still there. Robert Woods is a very good number two, can be a number one. You have, um, I, I know Reynolds is not maybe a number one, but he's a, a good complimentary piece. You have weapons, and Matt, this is what Matthew Stafford, give Matthew Stafford weapons, and he'll make you play. Now, granted, probably won't win the division with the Seahawks and maybe 49ers in there next. Who knows if they trade Jimmy Garoppolo, but it, I think the Rams are a playoff team still. Without, with or with, you know, with Stafford in there, they're a playoff team. And maybe they have the chance at making a deep run. So, Rams fans, you cut out the liability that is Jared Goff. You replace him with a more consistent starter in Matthew Stafford. And you still have pretty much that number one defense intact with that offense who played extremely well this year and shut down a lot of teams. That's a positive, and that's a win in my book. But also, I feel bad for Goff going from L.A. to Detroit. Whew, that's got to be bad weather-wise. So... Yeah, it's a it, all in all in both sides. I think it's a win-win situation. A weird trade, but a win-win situation for both teams. And yeah, that's that. That's what I have to say about that. So now let's move on. After I've talked about those trades for those two trades, uh, not trades, you know, free agency and trades. Now we're gonna get to Super Bowl Fifty Five. Probably has the capability has the capability to be maybe the greatest Super Bowl of all time. I know that's a bit of an, uh, that's a, that's a huge statement, but it is, this is Patrick Mahomes. Now we're going to get to the obvious storyline, which is Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. You know, this is like if LeBron James were to face Michael Jordan in the NBA finals or Kobe Bryant were to face Michael or Kobe Bryant were to face LeBron. Some, one of that, you know, one of those margins, you know, it'd be something like that, which is unbelievable. The fact that, we're going to look at both sides. Let's start with Tampa Bay. Um, we're going to start with Tampa Bay. We know what it's all about. Tom Brady, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he gets back here, but he's back for Super Bowl number 10. He's looking for ring number seven. These two teams played in the regular season. Chiefs won that game by three. Tampa has not lost a game since then. That was the last game Tampa lost. They were seven and five. And then now here they are back in the Super Bowl. Aaron, uh, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are riding hot. They beat Washington in the wild card round. With all, and, you know, you can cut all the crap out of Washington. They have a very good defense, and Taylor Heineke was playing out of his mind. So that was, a, you know, a good win, 31-23. Divisional round, they go to the Saints, go to the Bayou, go to the Superdome, beat Drew Brees and send him into retirement. And in the NFC Championship game, go to Lambeau Field in Green Bay and beat the MVP Aaron Rodgers, 31-26. And now here they are back in the Super Bowl. 
That is an unbelievable playoff run. This offense can beat you in a million, both offenses, but yeah, this offense can beat you in a million different ways. They can beat you with Mike Evans. They can beat you with Chris Godwin. They can beat you with Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Rob Gronkowski, Scotty Miller, who is a very, like I said last week when I was talking about the conference championships, very quick, runs a 4-3, often gets forgot about because of, you know, the weapons they have. And obviously Antonio Brown, anywhere you look, there's weapons on this team. Also Cameron Bright. I don't know if he's good to go for the Super Bowl, which could be a big thing if for um for Tampa Bay because they like to use that two tight end scheme. But we'll see. We'll see. We're gonna. I'm gonna assume he is playing Cameron Bright. So yeah, it's it. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But like I was saying, they're riding red. They're riding red hot. So what do the Buccaneers need to do to win this game? Well. They need to get to Patrick on the defensive end. They need to get to Patrick Mahomes with their front four. We've we've seen this time and time again. When you blitz Mahomes, it, it doesn't work. Mahomes has been one of the best QBs against the blitzes in this season so far. So blitzing him might not be the way to go. So you gotta get to him in with the front four. You gotta get to him with the four or five man rush. That's the best way to do it. And if you can get him off there, fine. Make him force him to make the plays, but you can't just give him time to sit back especially with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It's just it's just make make him do those flashy throws. Just make him do it. Make it harder for him. But be careful when bringing the blitz because that leaves guys like Tyreek Hill one-on-one down the field. And we saw what happened last time when they left him one-on-one against the... When these two teams played in Week 12, he had 200-plus receiving yards in the first quarter. So don't don't make that same mistake again. So Todd Bowles, they're a Todd, knowing they're a Todd Bowles team, they might blitz a lot. But we're going to see if they're going to hold back on the blitz. That'll be that'll be very interesting to see. And now, all right, so that that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side of things. Let's go to the Chiefs side. Um, Chiefs uh, looking to go back-to-back Super Bowls, be the first team since the 2003-2004 New England Patriots with Tom Brady, who did it. Um, they're more Again, this game is a toss. I'm going to give my prediction at the end. But um, offensive, offensive, again, like, like, the, like the Buccaneers, they can beat you, a mil, again, a million different ways. What do they want to do? Um, you want to double Tyree Kill over the top? Fine. That gives you Travis Kelsey over the middle of the field, who is the leading receiver for this team, and who's top five in receiving as a tight end, which is unbelievable. I think set the record this season for most receiving yards by a tight end in a single season. So he's playing at an extremely high level. But then you want to leave both in one-on-one coverage. You leave maybe the fastest receiver in the NFL, Tyree Kill, Left alone one-on-one, and we saw what happened to Antoine Winfield Jr. when they left him one-on-one with him in Week 12. My Lord, he got burned and cooked. But another big thing for Kansas City is Eric Fisher, their offensive tackle, their stud, one of their better offensive linemen, tore his Achilles against the Bills two weeks ago, and he is out for this Super Bowl game, which could be big because that could help guys like JPP get involved and put pressure on Mahomes without blitzing. That's a big thing. But also... Uh, and now let's move on to the Chiefs defense. Who's the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs? Giants fans should know this. Steve Spagnola. Steve Spagnola was the guy who did it to Brady in 07. Had that high-flying offense with Randy Moss. Set all the records. Moss had 23 touchdowns that year. Held him to 14 points that year. That was a while ago, but held him to 14 points this year. You could argue that maybe this offense is better, or you can argue this that this offense is a little worse. But either way, they're another high-quality offense. <clears throat> but... It's going to be a tough task for Spagnola because that def- this defense is nothing. You know, this that 2007 Giants defense was probably a lot better as far as pass rushing goes. They still have Chris Jones and Frank Clark. 
And in Week 12, Spagnola did blitz a lot. Both these guys love to blitz. I think Spagnola might have blitzed the Buccaneers on every single third down play. And although they won the game, it wasn't super effective. It wasn't super effective. They didn't get to Brady that much or as much as you thought when you're bringing a blitz on every third down. So who? So knowing Spagnola, he's probably going to dial up a pressure a bunch of times because that's how he works and that's how he rolls and he's aggressive like that. So we're going to see, can Kansas City get to Brady with the blitz? <clears throat> can they make him uncomfortable? Because we all know what the motto is. You know, it sounds so simple against Brady, but it's so hard. You, you got to get to him. You got to get to him. And especially with the way the Buccaneers have been playing as of late, it's brilliant. What they've done, Bruce Arians, the adjustments he has made is unbelievable. Bringing in that extra tight end for blocking, like I said, with the two tight end scheme set. Putting Leonard Fournette in more to help block, help block, and give Brady more time to throw the deep ball. But what we will see, what we also have seen, which could be a counterpoint, is that Tampa Bay doesn't hold back on the deep ball, which means if you can get to Brady... You're guaranteed. You're maybe almost guaranteed to see one of those fluttery balls that he throws. So that is another big thing that Bruce Arians is probably not going to dial back on the on the aggressive play calling. So that's a big thing. Another reason why you have to get to him. But Frank Clark was also talking about how Brady has huge, pretty broad shoulders. So that's why it's hard to get him because of the way he moves those shoulders. But they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to do it. Chiefs also have to stand up in the run game. Run game was weak again last year, and again, they're pretty average or below weak again, and the Buccaneers love to run the football. They love it. Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, they'll pound it all day if they want. If you want, they'll do it. They'll do it. Um, they have the number one run defense. Not really going to play a factor just because the Chiefs don't run the football that much. Edwards, Alaire, Le'Veon Bell don't get many touches at all in the game, so that doesn't really help them there as far as number one run defense. Like I said, just Chiefs don't tend to run the football, but back to the offense, Kansas City has got to find a way to at least bottle up the run game to a point where Brady doesn't get those play-action fakes. Because once Brady gets those play-action fakes, you pinch up and you, you give these wide receivers a step, Brady will put it on the money and you're beat deep for a touchdown. So <clears throat> that's really interesting. So let's, again, keys for both for both teams. Both teams got to get pressure on the quarterback with or with without the blitz also. Because Brady is good. Brady is, all, again, also great against the blitz because he picks him apart. So you gotta get to you gotta get to both of them without the blitz, without using the blitz. Your front four, front five, gotta get to them. That's that's a key for both defenses in this game in this game today. As far as uh, another key I'll give for the Chiefs defense, find a way to stop the Buccaneers' run defense, so they don't just run it down your throat all day, and Tom Brady doesn't get that play action, those play action fakes. So yeah. Now say, saying all of that, what is my prediction for this game? Is it Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes? The answer is, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a better game overall. I think he'll have more passing yards and more touchdowns. But I think the Buccaneers are going to win. The Buccaneers win this football game by a final score of 38-34. to 34. Brady, Brady probably gets a late game winning drive. Mahomes doesn't get a chance to touch the football at the end. That's how the game ends. Um, Super Bowl MVP will either be Brady or Mahomes. It's going to be Brady because he's going to win. Once again, final score, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 38, Kansas City Chiefs, 34. I went 2-0 in the conference championships. I'm 7-5 in the postseason, which is not great. It's okay, but it's not great. But I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. If I've learned one lesson in, my, in all of our lives, it's never doubt Tom Brady. Also, I haven't even touched on this. Game is at home. Game is at Raymond James Stadium. First time ever uh, a team will host the Super Bowl. Now, is that going to play a big factor? I don't know because, again, not going to be many fans there. 
and Kansas City has already won on that field when they played in Week 12. So who knows how big of a part that'll play. But again, final score, 38-34. Mahomes, you're the best quarterback probably right now, but you ain't the GOAT. Move over. Tom Brady's going to win this football game. But again, if the Chiefs win, I won't be surprised. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be great. We're probably going to see the record for total yards of offense in this game for a Super Bowl broken. We're probably going to see that broken. I predict that this game will be the most yards combined out of the two teams. The two teams will combine for the most yards in Super Bowl history. That's my bold prediction for the week. So for the for the game. So yeah, that is all on the episode today. Sorry, it was a little bit of a short one, but um, yeah, it is what it is. Obviously, so we'll be back next week to recap the Super Bowl and continue to talk all other sports. We're probably going to have some news on the Carson Wentz situation, just because. They announced that Carson Wentz is going to get traded in the next couple days. So I'll probably have that with the Super Bowl preview, and we'll see what else comes our way. But yeah, that's it. That's all. Thank you for listening. I'm Rahil Jaswell, and I'll see I'll hope you I'll see you guys next week.